1: opportunities to play some chords in different places that maybe you're not as familiar with. So I'm gonna show you just a brief introduction to what we refer to as the caged system, which is a way of combining the C, A, G, E, and D chords, literally in that order, caged, across the fretboard to be able to better see how to um, connect chords all the way across instead of just in various different places. Now, again, I don't expect you to sit and study this entire thing and that's all you do, but I wanna give you the opportunity. So, the way this works is if you think about it, um, I can play a C chord all over the fretboard anywhere I want, or an E chord, or a B flat chord, or anything like that. But what this does is it gives you a system of being able to connect them all together. So, let's say, for instance, this C chord. What it does is it contains some open strings, right? So, if I wanted to play this as a bar chord, I'd have to move up and bar, and move up and bar, and move up and bar. If I wanted to do it with an E chord, which you know, that's our six-string bar chord, right? But if I want to do it with an E chord, I'd have to move up and bar, right? If I want to do it with a D chord, a D chord has a space, so if I moved up, I'd have to bar back here, okay? So what that means is technically any open chord can be moved around with a bar. It's just some of them physically are really tough to do, right? Well, with the cage system and with soloing, our job isn't really to make the shape, it's to visualize the shape, So if you think about it, if I took the the chords C, A, G, E, and D, the cage system, okay, and I laid them out on the guitar, I want you to see this. If I took the C chord, which is in its natural position, and where my third finger is, if I barred over that and made the A shape of the cage, which is our fifth string bar chord, that would be the next connecting C shape, or C chord, excuse me. So the C shape of the C chord, the A shape creates a C chord. Now where this finger is, I'm gonna bar over that, and I'm gonna make a G chord with my other three fingers. Now, this isn't easy to do, and again, I'm not telling you that you need to learn to play it, although that might be nice. What we wanna do is visualize it, but just listen. So there's another C chord using the G shape. So the C shape, the A shape, and the G shape all create the sounds of C. Now where these guys are, I'm gonna bar over that and make the E shape which is our six-string bar chord, which we know. And then where these fingers are, I'm going to bar, I'm going to bar the bottom four for now. I'm going to make the D shape. And again, it's going to sound like C, okay? So. So the, the trick to Behind the Cage System is, it doesn't matter where you begin Okay, you just keep going. So C, A, G, E, D, C, A, G, E, D. So let's say I started with an E chord of the caged. These fingers here is where the next chord, which is the D, that would go. And then where this is, we'd have to start all over because we're at caged, we're at the end on the D. So if you look at these three fingers, I'm gonna bar here and make the C chord. And the sound is going to be E. So E being made with the E shape, E being made with the D shape, E being made with the C shape, E being made with the A shape, E being made with the G shape, and then E being made with the E shape, and then we'd be back on our octave again after that. Right, right here. So that's the the basic premise of, of the cage system. Now that's not always easy for people to understand, and again, in this course, what I'm trying to do is make things easier for you to understand. So a really great way of approaching this is if you know a six string bar chord and or if you know a fifth string bar chord, what I wanna do is give you a little shortcut right now. Okay, let's just pick a chord, it doesn't matter. Let's just say we had a B major bar chord. Okay, there it is on the sixth string, okay? A nice shortcut is if you know your six string bar chord, what you can do is just understand that above you is the D shape and below you is the G shape. Now, what good does that do you? Well, think about it. If I was soloing over this B chord, okay, I'd have B major, which I could totally use. But again, what I want to do is I want to try and emphasize some notes from each one of these, right? So as this is being played, I can visualize those notes, but I can also visualize. down here or up here with that shape up here. So that's a nice shortcut is just being able to take what you already know, which is a six string bar chord and just see the two on the outsides of it. There's a great place to start. If you know your fifth string bar chords, let's go to an E on the fifth string. Here's an E on the fifth string. If you know that, okay, then what you can do is below this shape, okay, is your C. And above this shape is the G. So it's an easy way of finding those. I love this C shape. Now, not that I play it as a chord all the time, but I love the sound that I use over that. So Again, it's just another idea that you could use for chord shapes so you could study the entire caged idea if that makes sense to you. And if not, just grab an idea of how to expand it around your six string bar chord or how to expand it around a fifth string bar chord and just use that for the time being. Okay, so the next thing I wanna talk about with you are some alternative ways of visualizing and playing across your fretboard. Instead of just always playing in a scale format, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna start looking at cutting through in different ways and playing more horizontally, okay? Or more linear, if you will.
0: If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from. VIP, which gives you instant access to a library of short but powerful courses, as well as new bite-sized lessons each month. There's also Play Songs that gives you step-by-step lessons so you can learn to play your favorite songs fast. And finally, there's Masterclass, university-level training on everything from soloing to music theory, from blues to home recording. For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to GuitarZoom.com. Now back to the podcast.
1: The first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about intervals or what we refer to as arpeggios now an interval is just a distance between two notes I have a a term I call intervallic playing which doesn't really mean a lot except that I'm very conscious when I'm playing that I'm not always trying to play all the notes in sequence because if I do it just sounds like a scale when I play so I'm I'm conscious of jumping over different notes to create larger sounding intervals at times not always but at times and I'm gonna show you some of those things So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the term arpeggio, okay, which means broken chord. And basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn how to play major arpeggios in different places across the guitar and minor arpeggios. And this might help you a little bit, again, in breaking out of that scalar form all the time. Now we've already talked about how we can target chords by visualizing them and things like that, but let's actually look at what's going on with the chord. So if I was to look at the G chord, for instance. No matter where I play that G major chord across the guitar, I'm always playing the notes G, B, and D, which is the root, the third, and the fifth of whatever scale we're in. Now again, don't let that theory confuse you if you don't understand that. But as I'm playing this G chord, it consists of the notes G, B, and D, and then G, B, and D. Sorry, D, okay? So anytime we're making a chord, we're using those three notes over and over and over in different ways. Now, we're not going to talk about sevenths and ninths and elevenths and all those things. That's not our worry. We just want to focus on the G major chord, G, B, and D, the root, the third, and the fifth, the triad, okay? Those three notes. And we're creating what's called an arpeggio. So what I want to do is give you three different ways that you can approach playing, and you can do this over any chord anytime you want. So let's use G as our example for now. So G, I could play here, G, B, and D. Okay, so I'm calling this moving to the left. I'm moving to the left. And I could play those three notes. So if I was gonna go and do something, okay? Then we're gonna call this one over the center. Okay, over the center I'm playing. So it's the same notes, but it looks different. And then to the right. So we can always play to the left over the center and to the right, okay? Now let's say I was gonna play over the C chord, right? So here's C. On the sixth string. So I can play to the left. Center or to the right. Let's say I was playing um, a fifth string bar chord. Let's go to E. Okay, I could play to the left, over the center, to the right. You see, it works exactly the same way. Now, the hard part is when you get to the fourth string and the third string. When you get to the fourth string, let's say I wanted to find the note G on the fourth string. And I wanted to play the major arpeggio. I could play G, B. Now it's gonna look a little different because of the tuning between the G and the B strings. Here it looked like this. There was two frets in between. I was playing three, two, zero, right? Now, because of that tuning, it's gonna look like this. This one looks the same. And this one looks the same. See that? Now let's say I found a G on the... Uh, up here. Okay, so I find G on the third string right here. So I have to find the third and the fifth. Now it's going to look different again. Sorry. Okay, they're right there. Now, when I play over the center, it's going to look like this. And if I play over here. So you can see how, as I move further toward the floor on the guitar, the shapes look a little more wacky as I keep going. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't learn them. Again, I just want you to grab something that makes sense. If you know your six-string bar chord, it's always nice to just find a couple that you can figure out around that chord that you can use. Yeah, you can go into learning every possible position on the guitar, which again, we as humans tend to do, but what I'm most concerned with is you just find a couple that you can actually use. You don't have to find them on every single string ever and try and do that, okay? So let's say for instance, uh, let's use this in a real world perspective. So if I was playing a G chord, I very much would use something like this. or this, there's a G right there, right? It's an octave of that. So I might take that. Now notice how I'm using the arpeggio. I'm using that triad, if you will. But I'm not just playing that. I'm trying to add things around it. Once I've played intervallically, jumping over things. I try and add some stuff in between again, but I visualize these various arpeggios. And if all of a sudden a C chord came up, well, I'd have to look and go, where do I see a C chord? Well, I see one here, right? Is I'd like to see a C chord. I can see C chords all over the place and just decide what would be the best place to be. Then back on my G, for instance. So sometimes when you solo, instead of just thinking about playing the scale, what you can do is actually go, okay, well, here comes a G chord. So where can I see a G? And again, don't panic that you got to know every position, but just find something. Where do you see a G? Oh, I got a G here. Okay. Well, that's okay. Let's start there. We've got that or that or that we could do, but do you see something else under there? Is there a scale that's that a structure, right? A skeleton underneath there that we can attach back to because there's got to be some sort of reinforcement. That's why it's always nice to build these things over a position that you already know in terms of the scale, because you can always fall back on that as you're playing. So that's how you would approach playing major triads or arpeggios across the guitar in whatever chord you want. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. Hey, Steve Stein here. Thank you so much for joining me. This lesson, what we're going to be doing is expanding the idea of harmonic minor. Now, generally when we look at harmonic minor, all we're doing is taking a natural minor scale and we're expanding it by uh, by raising the seventh, right? So if I did this. But that raised seventh is really powerful. Okay, now where can you use harmonic minor? That's always the question. Well, you can use it obviously if you ever are in a situation where you're in a minor key, you're using A minor, And uh, let's say we're really in the key of C, right, which gives us the uh, no sharps, no flats. If we look at the relative minor to C major, it puts us in A minor, which would give us an A minor, and a G major, and an F major, and an E minor, okay? When we take that E minor chord and we turn that into an E major chord is oftentimes where you, you see a typical harmonic minor kind of sound. But when you're playing hard rock or power chords or things like that, what I do is I tend to use it quite a bit in general. And I have another lesson uh, that you can find that talks more about harmonic minor itself. And so you can watch that and kind of get a better better idea of it. But what I want to do now is I want to expand that idea of the harmonic minor by introducing you to a couple of other ideas. Hey, Steve Stein here from GuitarZoom.com and thank you so much for listening to this podcast.